RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Pro Athlete Supplementation. Check them out at pas-nutrition.co.uk for all your supplementation needs. And don't forget that subscribers to the Rugby Renegade program get a 40% discount on retail prices. Yes, we are back for episode 46 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name is Jamie Bain and today I interview Phil Richards. Phil's got tons of uh, years of experience in strength and conditioning and rugby and over the last sort of 10 years or so he's, he's moved more into kind of nutritional supplementation tide, looking at uh, blood testing and analysis to really individualise um, uh, player athletes diet uh, most recently he's worked with with Eddie Hall who's obviously been very successful in strongman so we touch on his strength and conditioning uh, work but also go more into, into depth on what he's doing with the blood test analysis it's a really interesting one so give it a listen and let us know what you think Hi Phil, welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast, great to have you on. We normally start by the guests just telling us a little bit about their background, uh, how they got into strength and conditioning uh, and what kind of teams and, and sports they've worked with. Yeah, well, you know, my background really was, you know, I joined the army at the age of 16, an infantry regiment, you know, I was a, I was a, a regimental PT instructor by some 17 and, you know, that was a good little apprenticeship for me. I left the army at 21 I then ended up owning one of the largest gyms, free weights gyms in Wales and probably the UK. It was about 44,000 square foot. Did a number of years there, sold that, did a BSc in sports nutrition, and I opened a, a sports nutrition shop in Flanathley. And this was not just as rugby actually went professional. It was around 96, in fact, yeah, 1996. And I had a lot of players coming to me, you know, at that time, people like Fran Robotica. Rob Appleyard, Andy Moore, and Steve Moore, and a lot of the guys who went on to play for Wales at that time, they were Stephen Jones. Even I remember Stephen Jones walking in, and you know, I mean, you know, so it was going back that far, and I was having such great success with the with the guys on, you know, sort of recommending nutritional plans and supplements that I then was invited to apply for the job at Swansea RFC. Which, which thankfully I got, you know, and I spent five great years at Swansea. We, we had a great team there. You know, I was there from 97 to 2002, you know, the likes of Scott Gibbs, Garen Jenkins, you know, we won multiple league titles and cup finals. I then took a year out then and I went, you know, I was going to, you know, like Westside Barbell. I was the first European at Westside Barbell, you know, I was first European with, with Paula Quinn and Charlie Francis and Dr. Soro. I mean, I just went everywhere. And then I, I got the job at Worcester Warriors in 2003, you know, and, um, you know, turned them into um, a very physical outfit. The first season we won 26 out of 26 when we were in the championship come up and, you know, you, you know, we, you know, we weren't, we didn't have the greatest of players, but we, you know, we, we, we literally kicked the shit out of most teams really because of what I'd learned from so many other great coaches. And I started applying you know, what I'd learned from Westside, Charlie and Poliquin and my own experience as well. I did a lot of experience before I got that as well. And, um, you know, three great seasons at Worcester. And then I went to Harlequins for a bit. I mean, um, loved it. And then I ended up consulting with Leicester Tigers and Bolton Wanderers when Sam Allardyce was there, Wigan Warriors. 
And then I went on work with a couple of Olympic athletes and a couple of top fighters like Amir Khan, Enzo Macronelli, and you know, and then it, it just grew from there really. And then I've spent the last that was a ten year sort of roller coaster. And then I spent the last ten years then sort of writing books, developing nutritional products, and um, becoming, um, if there's such a word as an expert, an expert in blood chemistry analysis. You know, so I knew I am. Yeah, that's uh, obviously some, some great experiences there to pull from. And uh, I'm, I'm going to come back to some of those at Westside Barbell and, and Charlie Francis and things and, and kind of talk about those. But this is, this is a question we, we ask all the all the guests on the podcast. And I thought it'd be a good one to open with this time because I think I might know your answer and kind of lead off onto a few different questions. So it's what's the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning? Um, I think they're, you know, from... The, my my philosophy is is simply this first of all you know you've got to get healthy and then you can get strong you know and i think too many players i mean i you know i mean why 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 was i so successful in rugby as a strength and conditioning coach i i learned very early on that just focus on health and strength you know get them strong don't do multiple exercises you know i mean you know a typical session for example that you know i introduced all the West Side stuff. I introduced all the strongman training into rugby over 20 years ago, you know, and I, I kind of discovered more as I got into it, you know, less is more, you know. I, I'll never forget sort of going to Leicester Tigers in 2006, I think it was, as a consultant there, you know, and I looked up on the board and there was about 10 exercises there and I said, look, you know, you know, the problem with this is you, you, you get through the program instead of getting anything out of it. You know, and I just said, you know, and fair play, Craig White was there at the time, who was a good friend of mine. You know, Craig trusted my philosophy. And I said, look, just just put power cleans in, do about 10 or 12 sets and see what happens. You know, you've never seen so much enthusiasm and so many PBs being broken. So I think the biggest mistake the players do is that, and it's not the players' fault, it's normally, you know, it's normally inexperienced strength and conditioning coaches who unfortunately have gone through the university system and, you know, you know, and, and I haven't really learned from experience yet because they haven't got it. And they think more is better, you know, and they end up doing a, a multitude of exercise. And I'll never forget when I first got the Harlequins, you know, I mean, they were, you know, they were doing pre-ab before we trained. And I absolutely fucking hated it, you know, and I, I stopped. I mean, they, you know, they were doing 30 minutes of absolute, you know, rotate the cuff work and this and that. You know, the problem is then the players are already fatigued before we start the fucking training session. You know, it was just like, I just could, I'm a very simple guy, you know, and I, you know, it's very, to me, you know, guess what? If you want to, if you want to get strong, you know, it's quite simple. You could have lived fucking heavy. It's, you know, it's, it's not a magical formula, you know, and, and to spend the whole, I mean, I said, I went to Westside Barbell multiple times and I, I wrote a book in it, you know, how I combined Westside with Charlie's methodology and then I, I would be able to apply that then not just to rugby because, I mean, I was working with cage fighters. I was working with elite, you know, I was working with 100-meter Olympic sprinters, 3,000-meter steeplechasers. The philosophy is, is the same. It doesn't matter what the sport is. If you can get them healthy and you can get them strong, as you know, all the specificity of training comes from the training itself. Yeah, definitely. Great, great advice. And, and we, you know, Rugby Renegade, we definitely... Uh, propose just focusing on those fundamental lifts and getting better at those rather than you know trying to 
cover every base. There's some great advice there. Let's let's talk a bit more about Westside Barbell. I, I knew it would come out. What are the kind of big takeaways you got from spending your time? Well, tell us a bit about your time there and then kind of what your takeaways were that you've applied to, to rugby and other sports. I mean, I, I went there in early 2003. I'd already studied them for a year. I studied all the methodology. I mean, I'd studied like everything. I'd, I'd studied Menza, Tudor Bomper. I mean, I was a fanatical sort of learner. And, um, you know, when I got to Westside, I literally stood in a corner for a number of weeks. Just, I mean, I took note after note after note. And the biggest thing I got from, from there was, was just the enormous amount of work that they put on the posterior chain. You know, I mean, you know, 90% of their workload really was, you know, hamstrings, glutes, lower back, you know, and, and that's obviously where the power is. But most people would think the power is, you know, is, is, is the anterior part of the body, you know, where they focus on chest and quads, you know, and abs. But, you know, so cut a long story short, I mean, once I started applying their methods and I took that, you know, as I said, I mean, I, I had a, you know, I, I was very fortunate where I was the head strength coach then of, of Worcester Warriors. And, you know, I saw guys who should never have played professional rugby, you know, going on and having a fucking great career just because we made them so brutally strong. You know, yeah, of course, you need some skill set. But, um, you know, that was one of the biggest things that, you know, that I learned, you know, and I went there many times. And, you know, they sell a book, you know, they sell a couple of my books there now. And, you know, and a great relationship and I'm a massive respect for Westside, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they produce so many strong athletes. And although obviously they're powerlifters, there's so much we can, you know, we can learn from them that we can apply to sport. And uh, let's just touch on uh, Charlie Francis. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of, of all of his work. Um, what was it like working with him and, and again what would you what have you taken away and applied to rugby I mean Charlie was just the probably the most intelligent human being I've ever met to be honest with you um, he, I, I was so lucky because he died not long after I, I sort of first met up with him you know he actually the day I got in to meet him the day before sorry he was diagnosed with leukemia and um, you know so he was in a bit of a stressed out condition as you can imagine mm. And, um, you know, I spent two weeks with Charlie. It was just such, just such a, well, first of all, such a great human being, but and I, just so intelligent, you know. I mean, you could have a conversation with Charlie on any subject, and he was up there. You know, he was just incredible. But his training methodology was very similar to Westside, you know. And I think what people re- forget is, you know, especially the higher you get up in any sport, whether that's rugby or cycling, you know, of, of boxing, it's not the quantity of training that counts, it's the quality, and that's what Charlie was all about, you know, yeah, obviously when you're trying to get there, you need that foundation, but that was the biggest thing I, I found from him, you know, is, you know, is just that, you know, his program planning was just exceptional, you know, he, he had a great saying, and I, I, I used it ever since, you know, don't train unless you can gain, you know, I was a, you know, it always stood in my mind, you know, unless you can give 100%, and, um, you know, and as I said, his program planning, I mean, he was so meticulous. I mean, you know, it's different with a rugby player. You don't get that luxury. But, you know, I, I analyzed him, you know, obviously working with sprinters where he would do like a pre-sprint massage. And if he felt any tension, for example, in any of the hammy muscles or, the, or, or you know, or the calves or whatever, you know, he'd tap the, the athlete on the arse and say, you know, you need another 48 hours, you know, because the training was such... You know, I mean, I watched one session where, I mean, you know, he, he classed it as speed endurance for his athletes. It was, you know, they were 100 meter runners. They run 110 meters and, um, you know, they did three of them. And in between, they were resting between 35 and 45 minutes. 
yeah. you know it was just i mean so the biggest thing i got from charlie was was recovery quality of training and, and program planning was just exceptional yeah i think that's something in, in rugby we we kind of don't always do well is, is focusing on the quality um it kind of the the mental nature of some of the, the rugby players is you know they want to feel like they're working hard so they you know they couldn't handle long rest periods and stuff like that and uh yeah it's, it's definitely an education thing that we need to improve improve with them well you've got to you know if you're you know if if you're not making progress then you know you need to reassess the program. You know that's that's when the quality comes in. I mean, any anyone can come out in the gym, you know, sweating and dripping and puffing and panting, you know. But did you actually get anything? Did that work out? I'm a really big believer in. Did that first of all? Did that work out? Improve me? And is it going to go onto the rugby field with me? You know, I was always big. I was never into training for the sake of it. I would always explain to the players the purpose of the session. You know, and then, you know, I mean, thankfully, you know, most of them listened and, you know, and we had great results, you know, on, on, on incredible quality of training. And and it's got to be of maximum intensity. You know, there's no such thing as a maintenance program. You know, you're either getting better, or you're getting fucking worse. Nobody stays the same, you know, because there's always somebody getting better than you. So you've always got to keep improving. Yeah, definitely. Great advice. And, and while on that, that's kind of good advice for... Um... For young young coaches, that obviously assessing your your program as you're going through it and making sure that it's you know you're getting those results, and if not, then kind of modifying. So, what, what other advice would you give to upcoming strength and conditioning coaches? You, you kind of mentioned that kind of the uni system maybe not the, the best thing to follow. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, first of all, don't get caught up in you know as I call it paralysis by analysis. I think there's just you know there's so much overthinking now in professional sport that you know. You know, in the strength and conditioning arena, it's just insane. You know, always stick to fundamentals, you know. And, you know, like I've also had the privilege of working with some great weightlifters as well as working with the powerlifters. And, you know, as I mentioned to you previously, you know, I, I've spent the last two years working with Eddie All. And what I love about the reason why I'm mentioning this is not name dropping or nothing is it's the simplicity of the programs. You know, it's the brutality, but the simplicity, you know, don't get caught up in, you know, there's so many systems out there. I mean, a typical session that I would do, you know, with a, you know, dependent, you know, if it was an IN sort of player and dependent on position as well, I was very big as I, further, as I got further into rugby that, you know, the fast twitch fiber guys, I was much more, you know, concentrative on, you know, the Olympic lifting and plyometric type work and acceleration work, you know, focusing on that, you know, and, um, you know, and obviously with a mix of slow twitch fibers, that's when Westside Barber was just phenomenal for those guys as well. You know, so I was really big on sort of fiber issues, but it was less and more. I mean, as I said, typical session, say I was working, say I was called into a top team now, working with, say, you know, you know, you know, a, a top, top winger. I mean, a typical session, it, it could be Monday morning in season. It, it could be set of 10, eight to 10 sets of power cleans, you know, and then with, you know, so, and then that would be the big bang, you know, and then I would do a super set then with reverse hypers and maybe hanging leg raises to decompress the spine, four sets of 20 of each. And that's the session, mm. you know, there's nothing else I need to do. You know, it's just like that's done, you know, so as I, you know, the more you know it's it's not about the complexity of the program it's about the um the simplicity i believe and the intensity of the program 
Yeah, definitely. Now let's move more onto your kind of nutritional supplementation uh, sort of approach, and and obviously you said about uh, focusing on health and and how it's going to change over the years with that uh, in mind. Well, you know, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I first of all, you know, I'm a clinical nutritionist. I've got a BSc in sports nutrition. I've done absolutely multiple courses in in nutrition. And what everyone's missed the boat really is that nobody's, re- you know, I've spent the last three years, well, previously to that, I'd spent 10 years looking at blood under the microscope, you know, I mean, that was something I'd spent a long time studying with, you know, a number of doctors in that field, um, but it didn't really give me the real sort of clinical information I, I really wanted. So I had now spent the last three years literally locked away in, you know, you know, in, in my clinic, looking and doing a number of blood chemistry analysis courses, I've carried out hundreds of tests in the last three years from from the likes of Eddie All, you know, to some also elite rugby players, but right away through to stage four cancer patients as well. And and the reason why I'm saying that is the the biggest thing that I've learned from doing the blood work and the stool samples is there is not a one diet or a one supplement plan that fits all. It is so individual. It is just quite incredible. You know, you can have a, a typical player, for example. You know, I mean, I did a top player um, last November. You know, very low testosterone levels, leaky gut syndrome, dysbiosis in the bowel, you know, thyroid issues. And, you know, and I'm sure if we'd run other tests as well, we would have seen a lot of, you know, you know, I'm looking at about 130 markers with this particular player. But we look at a lot more. Well, I look at a lot more now. And, you know, as I said, you, you can have a player on, say, for example, a high protein diet, which is typical in the in the sporting world, you know, but that player could have chronically high levels of dysbiosis in his gut. His pancreas could be so beaten up, he's not even breaking down the protein. So on the blood chemistry analysis and the stool testing, we can see exactly how the digestive system is functioning, you know, because I was a great believer, in, you know, that the reason why a lot of the athletes weren't getting the results that they should have been is is because they, from a hormonal perspective, you know, I'd, I'd look at their testosterone levels, their DHEA levels, their insulin levels, etc., <clears throat> and they would always be out. So, but now I realise actually the reason why so many top players, top athletes are struggling so much, it's really much more before that. It's the whole gastrointestinal tract, you know, where they got low stomach acid. So they're not breaking down the proteins. They end up having then small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which then causes chronic nutritional deficiencies. They have poor bile production, so they can't emulsify the fats. So they go on and have chronic essential fatty acid deficiencies, which we also test. You know, And then, as I said, the pancreas is, is so inefficient that they don't break it down. So when we look at the stool sample as well, we can also see in there, you know, if there's a lot of digest, undigested fats in there, and other markers, it's showing us, look, you know, they, they're eating the food, but they're not digesting, absorbing and assimilating the food, you know. And, and, and because of the stress of top end sport, it causes severe digestive systems anyway, you know. So and, and one player might need to go on, you know, if I look at the, you know, the the, <clears throat> the blood work, somebody might thrive on a high carbohydrate um, type diet. And someone else might fucking die on it sort of thing, you know, in terms of performance and health. So what the blood chemistry analysis does and the stool testing, not only does it sort of individualize what nutritional requirements, are, um, you know, would, would allow that athlete player 
to perform at a much higher level, you know, and also then from a supplement perspective, and this is very important because, you know, as I said, I've done hundreds of sort of real sort of comprehensive blood tests over the last three years. And in most athletes, especially males, I see exceptionally high iron levels. Now, going back to the meat intake, if you're eating a shitload of meat, you know, that's going to increase the iron levels even further. And the problem with iron is when it's out of, when it's very high, it causes incredible oxidative damage, you know, which is no different to you doing a heavy squat session or heavy sort of rugby session. You know, you get a lot of free radical damage, but it gets really nasty because bacterial infection and viruses will thrive when there's lots of iron there. And, and the body can't get rid of iron. The only way you can get rid of iron is to give blood, you know, so you'll see the recommendations then, you know, in, in the vast majority of people I work with, you know, is to give blood. And I, I mean, I could go on and on. It's just such, it's the area that will change professional sport forever because, you know, as I said, you know, the clubs are so busy focusing in on how fast can they do 60 meters in or 40 meters, how much can they bench squat or whatever. I'm much more interested in, you know, okay, how, how is the digestive system working? Have they got chronic bacterial overgrowth? Have they got, you know, Epstein-Barr virus? You know, have they got low testosterone levels and why have they got low testosterone and the cortisol levels through the roof? You know, they got fatty liver because they're eating too much carbohydrates or, you know, they're eating too much of the wrong fats. And you'll see, you know, what I, you know, what I love about this whole, this whole lab test in blood picture, you know, it's like looking at a big canvas, you step back and you're going to see exactly where you need to fill in, you know, the sort of blanks to make sure that this player has got this optimum health because you know once a player's health they've got the world that they have you know the world's a bloody oyster you know and you know all the other things fall into place and I, I strongly believe you know that so many players and I observed this over a long time you know the reason why they were injured all the time apart from the obvious if it's if it's contact injuries is because they were sick you know you got a lot of sick players playing at the high end and they they just in survival mode yeah, definitely. No, no, really good point. We spoke off air before, you know, saying, yeah, everyone's testing, you know, all the physical qualities, you know, with GPS and, you know, velocity testing in the gym and stuff like that to individualize training. But, but no one's really looking at how to individualize the, the nutrition properly. So it's, uh, it's really interesting. Uh, so moving on from that, say we've got athletes listening to this who, who haven't had access to blood testing or, or not yet what what would be a good a good kind of starting point as a, a nutritional recommendation well that's the problem you know i got asked that question yesterday and um it, you know it's so i mean like i there just isn't a straight answer yeah. you know if now if i wasn't you know well schooled in and the reason why i say that i could say to you okay you know, you could be carrying a bit of excess body fat as an example. And I'd say, you know, I mean, I wrote a book on the ketogenic diet, for example, you know, and I also wrote a, a book called The Science of Fat Loss, which took 10 years to write. It was 730 pages. And and the reason why I'm saying that is, is like I now realize that there's no such thing as a as a as, as a sort of a general sort of recommendation because you might be so insulin resistant that me recommending a ketogenic diet to you at first sounds quite good because a ketogenic diet was, you know, it showed to reverse insulin resistance, which I've now found to be a lie. You know, so those people who are on ketogenic diets, you know, long term become chronically inflamed where they have increased insulin resistance. 
Or we could look then and say, you know, you could be really lean, you know, and I, I mean, and I could recommend a particular diet, but you might have like 14 very severe food sensitivities to, you know, to, you know, things as innocuous as fucking broccoli and tomato and celery never, you know, and, you know, I, I use the most advanced food sensitivity testing panel in the world. And that's why it's so hard now. You know, I can't. It's the same on supplements. You know, I just can't. I mean, if there's only if there's only two supplements I could recommend, I'd be honest there. I mean, you know, we've developed, um, you know, some very high end probiotics, which have gone. They're the only probiotics, in fact, in the UK, which have gone through. They've gone through like 14 clinical trials over the last 15 years. So um, I believe that most people really struggle with gut bacteria. And if you realize the absolute connection between the gut microbiome, which I've recently done a master's on, and body fat composition and performance and mood. You know, your jaw would literally hit, hit the floor just understanding how important that area it is. You know, and then I also then sort of high dose fish oil, which, you know, I developed some very good products a number of years ago. You know, if anyone's interested in that, then go on Phil Rich's performance. And, um, and I very rarely plug my products. I mean, I, I developed about 40 products over the last 10 years. And, um, you know, so I was very sort of, um, you know, deep in the research and what products work. But what I now realize, you know, for example, you know, I could recommend, you know, I see a lot of um, male and females with, <clears throat> you know, with, with severe thyroid issues. But you find that thi most of those thyroid issues, it could either be caused because of leaky gut or they've got heavy metal toxicity or they, they're constantly under stress. So, you know, I, without making a molehill into a mountain, it's just very, very hard, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, until... Until you test, everything is a guessing game. You know, I, you know, you could be training twice a day, and I can, you know, usual stuff. You know, I mean, make sure you take your recovery drink after the training session. You could have a, a severe fucking whey allergy, and whey, by the way, causes incredible insulin spikes as well. If you're insulin resistant and you've got a lot of inflammation, which is usually coming from the gut, you end up you're doing all this training, but you're still gaining body fat. You know, so that's what I love about this work that I believe will revolutionize um, rugby. And not only will it revolutionize, it's absolutely a, a pre-screener as well, because you'll see a lot of athletes like I've seen that are not far away from, you know, from heart disease, from stroke, you know, from autoimmune disorders or have already got it. You know, so, you know, if you've got a player who's got low magnesium levels, which is 99% of people, high homocysteine, which is coming from a high meat diet, which is a very pro-inflammatory, big sort of heart attack, stroke marker. They'll have high fibrinogen levels, which thickens the blood. You know, they'll have high something else called urethral sedimentation, which also clots the blood. You know, and, you know, you never know what's, I mean, there's lots, you know, that, that was one of the biggest excitements with me with this as well, is how it pre-screens you. You know, you can say to the coach, look, you know, this guy doesn't need fucking 12 sessions a week because he's carrying too much body fat. You know, this guy, this guy needs detoxification. He needs to take these products. He might need some medication from the doc. We need to back off his training, you know, so it's short-term pain, but you'll have long-term gain. In six months' time, you'll have a player who's playing like, you know, he's never played before. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just... You know, I forget the name of that Leicester centre. Is it Tuolagi? Yeah, I remember working. Yeah. You know, always injured all the time. I, I guarantee, if you if you run his blood work and his stool samples, you.
you'll get to the bottom of why that player is injured so often. I mean, I did work with his brothers, by the way, you know, many years ago. Who were, I mean, they were all fantastic people. Uh, but you'd get to the bottom straight away on, you know, unless his contact, obviously. I mean, you know, I'm not that dull. If it's heavy contact and the players are getting contact injuries. But you'll find the healthier that player is, the more he can tolerate, you know, a lot more sort of um, trauma. Yeah. And recover, obviously, much quicker. So... There isn't a straight answer to that. Huh? Yeah. Uh, now, so let's let's talk a bit more about what you've uh, you said. You've been working with Eddie Hall the last couple of years. What what you've kind of done with him and what kind of results he's seen as well. Well, I mean, the, the work that I did with Eddie was all on the blood work, and um, you know, he came to me around two years ago because one of his um, his training partner, in fact, had attended one of my sort of um, internships. And, um, you know, first of all, we look, I looked at Eddie Hall's blood under the microscope and, um, you know, you know, and we made some, you know, nutritional and supplement changes and some sort of lifestyle changes and that, you know, and then about six months later, we did a, a full blood chemistry analysis where we looked at, you know, just everything from, you know, from, you know, how much muscle trauma, how much cardiovascular trauma, how, how, what was the liver doing? Obviously, what, about all the hormones, I mean, I look at everything, you know, free testosterone, total sex hormone binding, globulin, DHEA, you know, so you get this picture and you can say, look, you know, you know, this is what we need to do now. And then Eddie was come back then six months later, we'd, we'd retest and we did that all the way up until, you know, he won, you know, he won the world's strongest man. And, um, you know, so, so we, we were, you know, for example, you know, I'm, I'm sure Eddie wouldn't mind me saying like he had very high iron levels. You know, so it was a case of, you know, get the only way, as I said, you can get rid of that excess iron is phlebotomy, you know, so, you know, is to get to give blood, you know, so, you know, that's what, you know, Eddie would do. And, um, you know, so, you know, there's many other changes that we made as well. But the bottom line of it was, you know, was to get Eddie as healthy as he possibly could, you know, for him to obviously then endure the training, you know, I, you know, and, and, and also, you know, I mean, I watched Eddie train. And, you know, it just shows that there's there's more, there's plenty of ways to skin a cat because there's nothing to do with Westside Barber with Eddie's training, I can tell you. You know, yet he went on and, as you know, yet he went on and deadlifted 500 kilograms. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the biggest thing that I got from working with Eddie is, um, you know, is, is first of all, the absolute, the pinpoint accuracy of the lab testing. But also, I have to say, I mean, I've worked with some incredible, incredible athletes. I've never met anyone like Eddie who absolutely knew that he was going to win at the highest level. I mean, his, his mental strength was just like, not, you know, as I said, I've worked with some unbelievable athletes. If you go on my website, Phil Richards Performance, and click on the testimonials, you see athletes from dozens of sports, you know, and all at the highest level. But Eddie was definitely um, the, the guy that just impressed me the most from his, his mental strength was just, incredible and that's important you know because there's no point getting all your training right your nutrition right and everything else if you constantly keep beating the shit out of yourself with emotional sabotage you know so you know it's it's having that absolute certainty that you're going to get to the top and i'll go back to worcester warriors again because as i mentioned earlier on i mean when i first joined there um, you know, it was a very ordinary group of, of guys. And, you know, when we got promoted to the premiership, nobody wanted to join them because, as you know, the, the team that comes up usually goes back down the following year. So nobody wants to do that. So, you know, we ended up, uh, you know, having a very group of ordinary guys. 
but it, it just proved to me when you get a group of ordinary guys and you put them through some incredibly intense, intelligent training. I mean, as I said, I saw guys who, who should never have played premiership rugby. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd already knew the qualities that was required to play at that level, but they just got into such ferocious shit. Yeah, of course, you've got to have a certain skill set, but, um, you know, I saw players, you know, just like, you know, who just literally blew me away on where they actually ended up going, you know. Yeah, definitely. That's great to be a part of something like that. So what's um, what's kind of the future for you then, Phil? Well, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still sort of, I sold my company, thankfully, last year because I never wanted to run a business. I mean, it just grew so big. It just, you know, it took so much of my time. And, you know, my old passion is, is really sort of research. Um, so I opened up a clinic um, very shortly. I still consult for Phil Richards Performance and another company that bought it called Caltech, which is a very large company on so all product development and I run nutritional seminars and stuff like that. But a clinic that I open on November the 1st in Malvern, um, but you know, you don't have to come to the clinic because I do most of my consultations on Skype, will specialize in, you know, we'll be looking at five lab panels really, you know, the most comprehensive blood chemistry analysis panel in the world. And then that will be run along then four different panels then which are looking at, as I said, like food sensitivity testing, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, the most advanced stool tests in the world, which I mean, literally looks at some incredible markers in there. And, um, and something which we also look at then, which is the gastrointestinal wall, the permeability of the wall, you know, because the leakier that wall is, the more chronic inflammation that you're going to get up on and, 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 and people who are intense, within intense training. And there's a couple of other triggers. Uh, it's notorious that they have what is known as leaky gut, you know? And as I said, you, you'll have those players who just, it doesn't matter how hard they fucking train. They still look like a sack of shit. You know, I mean, I saw that for years with the players that I was working with. I suffered the same, you know, I mean, I was training, you know, like a madman, you know, and everything else until I, you know, and nothing changed, you know, and until I, I kind of realized what I needed to do, you know, from, from the, from the lab work. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's, uh, we'll, uh, if, if you're happy, we'll share obviously links to your, your website. And, uh, if anyone who's interested in, in getting in touch with you for maybe to learn more about this or your nutritional seminars or to actually get blood testing, we'll share all that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, no, Great. Well, Phil, thank you so much for your time. Great to, to hear about your career and, and your know, advice around training and nutrition. And um, yeah, thank, thanks again and all the best for the future. Yeah, no worries, Jamie. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, buddy. So there you go. Another great podcast and some really interesting information from Phil. I'm sure we'll hear more from him about that in the future. Uh, definitely something uh, to, to look more into. But in the meantime, please subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn or iTunes and give us a five-star review. And of course, check us out for the best online subscription program for rugby players, rugbyrenegade.com. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.